We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. reading through the book of John and we're speaking from that as well and uh, I'm just going to read you a verse Darren read it last week from John 20 and it says this is right at the end of John second to last chapter and it says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. John gives us a cheat. He tells us what the whole book's about at the end. He goes, I've written this book, what I've included. Imagine writing that book. Imagine living with Jesus for three years and working out, what do I put in here? (laughs) You know, out of all the conversations Jesus had every day, what do I include? Out of everything he did, what do I include? Well, what he included, he did it to show us that Jesus is, is the Messiah, the anointed one, the King, the Son of God, God. And so that's what the book of John is about, to show us that Jesus is God, and consequently, what kind of God he is. Jesus is God, and so Jesus perfectly reveals God. And the book of John, through a lot of conversation Jesus had through uh, a number of miracles, shows us who Jesus is as God. And so that's what we're looking at. And uh, we're going to go to John chapter 9 today, and we're going to read the whole chapter just, uh, oh no, crazy. And uh, it's one story in a whole chapter and we're just going to read it together to get a bit of context of what's happening, to get the whole story in and then we're going to unpack it. I'm going to have it on the screen as well. So John chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 1 and uh, I'm going to read from here because I'll get a bit confused when I look up there. And it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been Good luck reading that. He saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Jesus, just in that little moment, shuts down a whole way of thinking. Uh, They thought if you were disabled, if you were blind, if you had something happening, it's because you deserved it. Or you deserved it because your parents messed up. And uh, I try and be a a good follower of Jesus. I try and be a good dad and husband. But imagine if my sins, my my daughters have got to deal with the consequences for. It just seems ridiculous. Uh, But that's, uh, uh, they believed a lot of this. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. God's not this puppeteer up in heaven zapping down bolts of pain if you've been naughty. He, he's not this angry God who, who he thinks, oh, Andrew's he's sinned again, he's turned the wrong way, I'm going to give him a bit of pain. God's not like that. There's consequences from our sin. Sin is missing the mark. There's consequences naturally when we don't love each other. That is natural consequences. But God's not up in heaven as a puppeteer shooting down bolts of suffering. No, that's not how it works. And Jesus completely just destroys that argument. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. What an incredible way 
I feel sorry for the, I don't feel sorry for him because he was healed. But so many other people were just prayed for. But he got mud in his eyes and, uh, and spit. Very COVID friendly. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Salome. Salome means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbours and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told him, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. I'll talk about the Sabbath a bit later, but this Sabbath was a holy day for the Jews, and it was really important to the Pharisees. And it wasn't just a rule they followed, it was part of their identity, it was who they were. Then the Pharisees again questioned a man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about the man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man that had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who, or who, who, or who healed him. Ask him, he is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he is old enough, ask him. So for the second time, you think they'd get the picture, he's told about five different people what happened. So for the second time they called him in. God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? He said that before. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? He's getting cheeky now. And they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? This term, Son of Man, it's referring to the Messiah and, and it's referring to God himself, that Jesus is God. It's not God and like a, a mini half God. It's God. Son of Man is God. The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? 
If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. There's the chapter. Bit of a story. A blind man, Jesus does this unconventional miracle, and then we have a long discussion with the Pharisees who only want to hear what they want to hear. All right, let's pray. God, this is your word, and uh, I pray that you just make it come alive in us. I pray that your words are remembered and not mine. And God, we just want to know you more. We want to know your love, experience your power and your greatness. Fill us with your spirit today. In the name of Jesus, amen. It, this chapter's packed full, and I, I just want to uh, bring a few points out of it. And the first one is Jesus used spit and mud. Uh, pretty simple. And, and, I was, and I, there might be a big symbolic meaning with a spit and mud. I, I don't think there is, but I could be wrong. And Jesus did all sorts of different miracles. Uh, sometimes he prayed for them, sometimes he touched them, sometimes he didn't touch them, sometimes he just told someone to do it, sometimes he just said a word from somewhere and didn't even see the person that was healed, sometimes, uh, remember the woman with the issue of blood, she just touched him, and in this time, he, he used spit and mud. <laughs> he used mud and he spat in it, and he used dirt and he spat in it. And there's no one way Jesus works. There's no one way Jesus works in us and through us. And so we can't put Jesus in a box. This is how he talks to me. This is how he leads me. This is, this is what... We can't put Jesus in a box. Uh, there's so many other miracles not recorded. I wonder how else he healed people. I wonder how else. You know, Jesus always has a new way of doing things. He's always got a new experience. He's always got a new revelation in his word for us. There's always a new closeness with his presence, new ways of walking in faith, new transformation, a new way of loving your neighbor, new faith, new miracles. Uh, we can't put Jesus in a box. Dirt, spit, mud. Not the most glamorous. Imagine if that was the altar call today. If I brought in my wheelbarrow, just a big pile of dirt, and I just started spitting. And all right, line up. <sighs> handful and just smear it over your eyes and it'd be pretty weird wouldn't it it'd be pretty weird everyone would be quite uncomfortable but that's what happened pretty messy way of doing it you know sometimes i like it because it's messy it's dirty if you think there'd be one thing that jesus wouldn't use for a miracle it's dirt like dirt's like the bottom of the barrel like dirt, dust, like it, it, that scene is like the least. Dirt. But Jesus used dirt to do a miracle. If you go, oh, shouldn't you have some kind of holy water or some, at least water, living water, we get the symbolism of dirt. But Jesus used dirt to bring life. Don't forget that God created us out of dirt. And I want to just encourage you, you might think your, your life's pretty messy. You might think your life's pretty dirty. You might think you're pretty messy and pretty dirty. But there's nothing too dirty for Jesus to use and there's no situation too dirty or messy for Jesus to intervene in. He used dirt to do a miracle. And sometimes we think our situation, we, goes, we, we, we say, look, I know God, you love me, I know you're powerful, I, I know you're present, but you don't know my situation, right? You haven't met my family, right, God? Like, I know, you, I know you're powerful, I know you can do miracles, but you haven't met 
my family. You haven't met, you haven't seen my workplace. You haven't seen my mind or what I'm dealing with. And sometimes we know the truth, but we don't believe it for ourselves. And sometimes we look around the world around us and, and there seems to be pain and suffering and, and we think, oh, it's messy, it's dirty. And, but can God really do something in there? Yes, he can. There's nothing too messy, too dirty. In fact, you think about it, uh, a messy, dirty situation is a perfect, perfect environment for a miracle. Because if there's no mess and there's no dirt, we don't need a miracle. If everything was la-di-da perfect... Uh, everyone loved each other, there was no pain, everyone was healthy. We wouldn't need God to come and intervene, would we? The reason we need miracles, the reason we need God's presence, power and peace is because of the mess, because of the dirt, and they're going to be a reality in life. And it's a perfect environment for a miracle. And the Bible's full of messy people that God used to do incredible things. And not once they were better, but why they were still messy. I love the disciples. You've got James and John. Uh, Jesus is using them to do extraordinary things while they're also asking Jesus to like burn down towns because they didn't listen to him. Uh, and they're arguing who's the best. And so they've got a bit of pride going on. They've got a bit of judgment. But Jesus is still leading them and, and helping them transform the world. You've got crazy Peter cutting off ears, telling Jesus off. A bit of mess going on in himself, but Jesus is using him. We got David with the wandering eye, God using him. We got Paul literally killing Christians. We got Abraham with little integrity. We got Jonah. Oh, what a sad fellow he was. We love the Jonah story. The whale's amazing. But then he's a bit of a troublesome fellow, Jonah, and a horrible attitude. But God's using him to bring revival to a city. You won't find a person other than Jesus who isn't messy, who isn't dirty. But again and again, God used messy, dirty people to do incredible things. And we're no different. We've all got a little bit of mess. We've all got a little bit of dirt. And God wants to use you and me, despite anything else, to bring heaven to earth, to bring his gospel, his good news to others. And then the Bible's full of messy situations that God intervenes in. Read Judges. That's a whole lot of mess. Right. More mess than we can even fathom, but God intervenes again and again. The nation of Israel. Jesus coming to earth is just a whole story of God intervening in our mess, in our dirt to bring us life. I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're in a bit of a mess right now, if you feel like you're in a bit of dirt, take heart. Because it's the perfect environment for a miracle. In you and through you. Second observation I have is, is healing comes often when we go. Healing often comes when we go. You know, what was a little bit unusual about this miracle, it, it's Jesus put the mud over his eyes, but then he goes, okay, now go wash in that pool. <laughs> there wasn't many miracles. There's probably a couple others Jesus did this, but often it was just a, Zap. We, look, we all want a zap, right? A zap from heaven. Uh, come and God, just fix my mind. Zap. We want a zap. We want an in the moment encounter with God that just fixes everything. We bring our, our spouse or kids. God, just zap them. Just fix them. Right. We bring our body. God, just zap my body. God, just zap my self-control with chocolate. Like We just want a zap. God, just zap my tongue. Just make it pure and better. God, just zap the world. Zap the government. God, we just want a zap. We want a healing in a moment. We want a transformation in a moment. Wouldn't that just be lovely? 
And I love a good zap. Um, but I find zaps are pretty rare. I know people that have experienced the power and presence of God have been transformed in a moment. But often miracles come as we go. It's funny, we, we see this blind man and he doesn't even ask to be healed. <laughs> you read it, he's just sitting there. And his disciples are just arguing whether he deserves it or not. It's the challenge of how we view people, isn't it? it just... and then Jesus says, all right, you come here, I'm going to spit on you. <laughs> and I know you didn't ask me to spit on you. I know you didn't ask me to put mud in your eyes. So now I'll just go wash it off. He's, he's still blind at this stage. Can you imagine the practicality of that? Right? It's not an easy task. You're spitting and putting mud on a blind man and telling the blind man, go find the pool and wash yourself. And he comes back seeing. He said, go. And I found so many times the miracles, the breakthrough in life is as we go. We love the zap, but the miracles as we go. The miracles as we follow Jesus. Uh, we're given so much leading in how to live our lives, but there's two really clear instructions and teachings. One's love God and love your neighbour. We all need to go like that. We're all called to love God, love our neighbour. Not some of us love God and some of us love our neighbour. They, they go together, right? So we're called to love God, we love our neighbour. We're called to go and make disciples. Paraphrase, we go to, we're, we're meant to go and help people to follow Jesus. That's what a disciple is. And so we've all been told to go. So whatever your life looks like, whether you're working, whether you're retired, whether you're at school, whether you're working out what to do, we've all got these instructions to go. Love God, love your neighbour. Go and make disciples. And I found it's as we go, the miracles come. As we go, the transformation comes. You know, they find kids who live in trauma. One of the best forms of healing is volunteering and serving others. They bring child soldiers out of some of these African countries and one of the first things they do in a few of these programs is get them to volunteer. They're like, what? Shouldn't they have done enough? I don't need to help people. But something about giving and serving someone else just creates this healing in our body and our mind. And it's how God intended us to be as we go and love God, as we love people, as we serve one another. Healing happens within us. But I also find as we go, things unlock. I remember when we were getting ready to move up to Ardross and to, to start a church. And um, we weren't ready to start the church yet. We, we didn't know how it would all work out. We didn't have many of the answers. But as we stepped out, things just started falling into place. Now, I didn't know any of those details before. I didn't know about the housing, the relationships, the finances, the work. I didn't know about any of that stuff. But as we went, just things started to fall into place at the right time. It's as we go. God will do things in you as you go. God will do things through you as you go. But the healing comes when we go. We can't just sit and wait for a zap. <laughs> if you're waiting for a zap, go. I'm not minimizing what you're praying for, whether it's your body, whether it's your mind, whether you're dealing stuff in yourself. Go. Love people, love God. If you're waiting for your situation to change, hey, I'm believing, I'm praying with you, but while you're there, you might as well go. <laughs> you might as well go. Go. The healing comes, the miracle comes when we go. Another observation I have is 
We can never let religion or rituals get in the way of people connecting with Jesus. I'll say it again. We can never let religion or rituals get in the way of people following Jesus. The Pharisees were this group, this sect of of Jewish leaders, uh, experts in the law, and they actually added a whole lot of their own rules. And the Pharisees, they get a bad rap, and for pretty good reason, they really led the way for Jesus to be killed. But the way the Pharisees started, you've got to remember that the Jewish nation, they've been under oppression for, for centuries. You've got Babylon, and you've got Persia, and you've got the Greeks, and you've got the Romans, and the Romans were the worst of them all. And the Pharisees started because they thought, we need healing, we need salvation, so what we're going to do is, we're going to follow the law as closely as we can. We're going to follow every rule as good as we can, as well as we can, and if we do that, God might come and save us. That's how the Pharisees started. And so they're they're so passionate about the law and adding to it and outworking it. They're so passionate about the rules. They're so passionate about the rituals. They're so passionate about the Sabbath because they're believing if we can just get this perfect, God might come and save us from the Romans. And so the motive at the start is pretty good. But they got so focused on it, they missed the whole big picture of just loving your neighbor. And Jesus came and he was trying to show them a new way to live, a new way to connect with God, a new way to love each other, and they couldn't see it. They were so stuck on the rituals, the rules, the the way of doing things. And Jesus had been messing with a lot of their rules. Messing with the Sabbath. He made, they got, there's nothing about making mud. They interpreted that. You know how Jesus wrote on the dirt? There was a woman caught in the act of adultery and Jesus wrote in the dirt. It's because that day, it was the end of a festival, so it was considered a Sabbath. And you weren't allowed to write on paper, but you're allowed to write in dirt. That was the interpretation of the Pharisees. So Jesus did, did it just to show them, hey, I know what you think. Right? Jesus is messing with their rules. He's from hand washing to talking with women. You know, a lot of the rabbis back then wouldn't even talk to their own wives in public. <laughs> Imagine that, wives. Married to a, a Jewish rabbi, he's not even going to look at you in public. That's for the home. Communications for the home. Eye contact for the home. And Jesus is here talking to women he's talking to prostitutes he's talking to samaritan women he's breaking all the rules he's actually got women following him he's got women learning from him being disciples you only be a disciple to be a rabbi he's breaking all their rules he's breaking the sabbaths he's touching lepers he's eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and foreigners And he's trying to show them a new way to love God, a new way to love people, but they're so stuck on the rules, they're so stuck on their tradition and religion, that they completely miss this incredible miracle right in front of their eyes. You read it, how many times did they say, what happened? He healed me, he put mud on my face. Ah, now what happened? He put mud on my face. His parents, how did that happen? They couldn't see it because they were so stuck on the Sabbath. They couldn't see it. 
Now, we're not like the Pharisees today. Uh, if you go and make some mud today, good on you. Uh, you're free to make your mud. You're free to do whatever you want this afternoon. But we can still have our hang-ups, right? We can still have our hang-ups as Christians. If you're here for the first time today, this point's for the people. This is for the people, a part of our church, believing in Jesus, going along. This is, this is where we've got to see ourselves. Is it's, have we got our own hang-ups that get in the way of people connecting with Jesus? But they talk like this. But they dress like this. But they believe this. Is that what we see in our community or do we see that God loves them? What's, what's more important? Now we can even get churchy about it. We can have our own churchy little rules and rituals. And, uh, but that person hasn't said the sinner's prayer. Go find that in the Bible. It's not in there. Right. Oh, that person's worshipping, but I know what they did last week. And? Oh, that person's acting like they're all... Well, yes, Jesus is hanging out with everyone no matter when. We don't go judging each other. We, we can get our own hang-ups. Well, I'm not sure I can listen to that person because they don't interpret the Bible like I interpret it. I don't believe the same things about... Oh, what's controversial? Revelation or women ministers or, or Jesus is hanging out with disciples who want to burn up foreigners. They want to burn the Samaritan village and Jesus is walking and living with them. Right. We can't get hung up on ritual religion. Love God, love people. There's a place for discussion. There's a place for everything else. But if anything trumps that, we've missed the whole point. Love God, love people. We can't let hang-ups get in the way. One more. Through Jesus, we receive new sight. Jesus, at the end, talks about spiritual blindness and spiritual sight. I talked a few weeks ago about being born again. It's one of the images the Bible gives us of what it's like to follow Jesus. We are born again. We are given new life when we follow Jesus. It's a picture. And another picture we, we see in the Bible is when we follow Jesus, we can see. That before we follow Jesus, we are blind. And when we believe and follow Jesus, now we have sight. And because once we follow Jesus, we see Jesus, we see God, we see the new life he has for us, we see eternity. The blind can see. And that happens when you first follow Jesus because your identity changes. Your security changes, your eternity changes. But this spiritual sight, it, it, it continues. As we follow Jesus, we're continually transformed how we see our sight. Let me give you an example. We're, we're called to see each other as in the image of God. That's a, that's a spiritual sight. We can see each other on a practical, earthly basis, or we can see and value each other as sons and daughters made in the image of God. We can see the, the challenges and the, and the pain in the world around us, or we can see God's presence at work. We can see the opportunities. 
the Pharisees couldn't see the miracle. It was right in front of them. Right in front of them. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. They were looking at the wrong, looking at the wrong thing. And I wonder how much we don't see sometimes. I wonder if there's anything I'm blind to. Probably. I wonder if there's anything I'm not seeing. I wonder if there's something I'm not seeing that God's trying to teach me for my life. I wonder if I'm missing something God's doing in the world. I wonder if I'm missing an opportunity that's in the world right now because I haven't got this spiritual sight God's given me. I wonder if my perspective needs to change. In verse 8, it says, this is when the man was healed, it says, His neighbours and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. (laughs) But the beggar kept saying, I'm the one. You have a man healed, and you've got all the communities arguing if it was him or not. (laughs) Because when you can see, you look different. When you can see, you look different. When the blind man was healed, he looked different. Because you act different if you're blind or when you could see. I've never been blind, but I imagine that I would act differently if I was blind. And he was healed and he acted differently. When we can see as God calls us to see, when we see with God's perspective, we act different. And when we act different, it's a testimony. See, when we, when we see people as God sees them, as we see opportunities at work, when we see God at work, it's a testimony. See, let, let me explain. If we see God at work in our world, we're filled with hope and peace. And so we carry peace because we see God at work. And that is a testimony to others. See, when we see people as God sees, when we see each other, as sons and daughters of God, as made in the image of God, we're filled with love. And that's a testimony. When we see opportunities around us, when we don't see all the pain and suffering, but we see it, but we see the opportunities, we're filled with joy, we're filled with hope, and that's a testimony. This man was different, and because he was different, he was a testimony to everyone else. How we see matters. How we see ourselves, how we see each other, how we see the world around us. The world around us isn't doom and gloom. It's full of opportunity. It's full of open hearts. I've told a story a few times, but I remember we were getting ready to start the church in Ardross and everyone kept banging on about how much of a hard town it was. I got so sick of it. And you can probably hear it in my tone. Everyone kept telling me, oh, Ben, Ardrossan's a hard town. It's like a rock. Oh, people have tried things there before. It's a hard town. Oh, hard hearts in Ardrossan. And I just felt everyone telling everyone, just get lost. Shush. Don't want to hear it. You're full of rubbish. That's what you see. I don't see it. I'm right, you're wrong. <laughs> and, and I'm happy to claim I'm right there because I want to see it in light of how God sees it. God doesn't say there's a hard town, there's hard hearts here. No. I'll choose to see it in light of 
your gospel, your spirit, your power. It could be the hardest town in the world, but if the spirit of God comes in, that's not hard. But it's how you see it. And the people tell me this had lived there for 60 years, 50 years, a lot of them. Trying to tell me it's a hard town. No, don't tell me that rubbish. It's what you see. It's what you see. And it's not a hard town. It's an easy town. It's an open town. What we see. So I want to ask you, what do you see? About yourselves. God, God says you're forgiven. You're made whole. You're made free. God says, I want to do incredible things in you and through you. Do you see it? God says those people around you in your workplace, in your family, in your community, he loves them, he knows them, and he has a plan to meet them. Do you see it? He says this world around you is full of opportunity. It's full of hope that God is at work in the world around us. Do you see it? If you don't see it, you've got you to change the way you're looking at it. Do you see it? Do you see it? Now, I'm, I'm coaching the B-grade footy at Ardrossan this year. And I see a lot of mediocre athletes on the practical service. We had a trial game yesterday and it was hot. And you should have seen all these mediocre athletes come and run for the first time in four months in 30 degree heat. Before we had to call the ambulance a few times. Uh, I see it on the practical surface, but I see hearts that God loves and God has a plan to meet. What do we see? What do you see? Darren, would you mind coming on the keys? Last point. It's not really points, it's just observations. Who healed you? What happened? They asked this question to the man. Who healed you? What happened? And if you know Jesus, if you follow Jesus, what happened? You've got, a, you've got something to say. And so I want to encourage you that your testimony, who healed you, what happened? What's Jesus done for you? That's your testimony. And it's to be shared. Who healed you, what happened? You know, often we don't get to read of what happens to the people healed in the Bible. This blind man's healed. He gets in an argument with the Pharisees. He's kicked out of the synagogue. What does he do next? We don't know. We don't know. Sometimes we, we can find it in history. I love the story of the woman at the well. Meets Jesus, the Samaritan woman. She's had five husbands onto her sixth fella, right? Jesus meets her in the middle of the day. She runs back to the town. She brings out the whole town. And the whole Samaritan village believes in Jesus. And then we never read of this woman again in the Bible. But do you know, there's, there's so much historical documents about this woman. 
Uh, and she's eventually called Saint Fotini. The woman at the well ends up being called Saint Fotini. You know she travelled the world. Went down to India taking the good news of Jesus. She ended up back in Rome speaking to Nero's uh, daughter. She became a Christian. One meeting with Jesus. Who healed you? What happened? The testimony of that took her. And you and me, we have that. If you've met Jesus, if you follow Jesus, we've got that. What happened? He's given me life. He's given me peace. You might have experienced a miracle. You might not have. We've all got someone to share. The peace, the joy, the love, the salvation, the eternity. Who healed you? What happened? Now, too often we keep that to ourselves. I'm not asking you to go to Yorktown and, and bring your crate to stand up on, in front of Drake's and just start yelling at people and expecting people to stop and listen. Think of how Jesus did it. He went to the well. He went out of his way to meet with people, to talk with people. He had dinner with them. He had lunch with them. You and me, we do life with people. And we've got a story. Who healed you? What happened? And I encourage you, that's a, that's a testimony of God. He wants to carry that. Carry it in you, through you. You might feel like you're a bit messy or dirty and you just got to join the club because we're all a little bit like that. <laughs> but God wants to use me and you to take the good news out to our community and our world. The good news is the news about Jesus. So as messy as and dirty we might feel, depending on the week, God has ordained me and you with the good news of Jesus to go and take it out. And often if we take it or not, has everything to do with how we see. Do we see a world that needs Jesus? Do we see a community that needs and is open to Jesus? Do we see God at work? Do we value people as God values them? Do we see ourselves as, as vessels of the Holy Spirit? All comes down to how we see. And I was just praying for today and I just feel in my heart that, that God just wants to just help us to see some things a bit different. See some things a bit different in our families, in our community. See some opportunities we weren't aware of. See God at work when we weren't aware of it. See what he's called you and me to do. God, I just thank you for everyone here, Lord God, and we thank you that just like the blind man, you came to us, Jesus. You came to earth, you came to us, and you've given us life. You laid down your life on the cross, you took sin and death and you removed it once and for all. And because of us, if we just simply believe we are given life, we are forgiven, we're given eternity, God. We have access to your presence and power, God. You're within us. Your perfect love surrounds us in every moment. God, we thank you so much. You came and made our mess clean. You came and made our dirt clean, Jesus, and we thank you for it. And God, I thank you for the testimony you've given each and every one of us. 
And there's no bland testimonies. There's no average testimonies. Every testimony is a miracle of how you've given us life. And God, I pray that you help us to see the world as you see it. God, help us to see and value people as you do. That our colleagues, our acquaintances, our family, they're not people. They're people made in the image of you, God. They're people loved by you. They're people valued by you, God. They're future sons and daughters. God, help us to see you at work in our community. Help us to see you at work in our state and nation. God, help us to see opportunities to love people, to minister people. God, give us new sight. God, give us new sight. Holy Spirit, help us to see like you see. God, help us to have your heart. Transform us from the inside out, Jesus. Holy Spirit, make your home in our hearts and have your way in us. Fill us with your love so we love. Fill us with your peace so we carry peace. God, we pray for our families. We pray for our towns. We pray for our communities. We pray for our peninsula. God, you love them. And I pray that they experience your love. God, I pray that they hear the good news. And God, I pray that they turn and follow you. God, I thank you for everyone we know. You know them. You know them by name. And you have a plan for them. You have love for them. So God, I pray. Pray for every seed being sown, every text message, every conversation, every smile, every act of love, every Sunday school lesson, every little thing, God, I pray those seeds are still there, I pray they come to life. And I've got to pray for our church as we go out this week, as we love, as we love you, God, as we love people, as we help lead people to you, God, I pray that you just lead us, I pray that you guide us, fill us with your Holy Spirit and your authority, give us the words to say, the places to go. God, help us to see opportunities to love people, to lead people to you. God, give us boldness of our testimonies. Who healed you? What happened? And we pray for our community. We pray for our towns that they might know your love, the power of the cross, and they will have a relationship with you. Let it be in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, I encourage you this week, as you go, just be open, God, helping to see this day how you see it. And I guarantee you, if you take that heart in each day, you'll see opportunities that you've never seen before. You'll see people that you never see before because you'll be aligned with God's heart. Hey, God bless you guys. Uh, Have a coffee with someone, catch up with someone. Have an incredible week. God bless you.